Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Dr. Kid, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this? Oh, I, I it's think come it to has. this. I think it has absolutely. Why not? Why wouldn't it's it about come to time? This? You it know? finally came to this. Feels like it took too long to come to this. <laughs> I'm Eric. I'm Charlie, and we're here to talk about one of our absolute favorite series, a series that's really huge within our movie group, and absolutely well revered, and a director who's super well revered, a friend of the program, <laughs> and. It's amazing because I think this is the first we've done of any of his. This is, yeah. Uh, uh, so we're starting big. This is a movie and, and a director that uh, we won't reveal yet, but no. we have had this on our list, or at least my list, since the beginning. This feels like one that we would have done 10 episodes in. This Probably should have. This felt like an, one that it's crazy we didn't do it. But we're doing now. it now, okay, guys? We're going through the Maniac Cop series. We're doing it. We're William talking, Lustig's Maniac Cop. We're talking Maniac Cop cop uh and we'll talk about the first one today and then get to the yeah and then next week we'll have two and three absolutely like way too much content for just one episode right yeah we talked about maybe even doing the whole oh i did brought it up as doing the whole trilogy in one episode but then it's like that's (laughs) a that's a lot (laughs) two hour episode right there so we won't Uh, make you guys so we're dividing them up and as a little bonus on this one we're doing a lesser scene lustig at the end here with Uncle Sam. Yeah, stick around for that. So that's a little bonus lustig treat. So Maniac Cop, though, is a big movie for me. This whole series is huge. Well, in do my, tell. In my love of film. Uh, what's, your, uh, what's your history with the cop? Well, Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence, was one of those... That's the nice. first like direct-to-video horror movie I saw. Okay. Because... Uh, my family, we didn't look in the direct-to-video section. Oh, no. We were a new release family. <laughs> My dad was the new release guy. He wanted to know what came out Friday. Mm-hmm. We were there on Friday. What's the big hit? But he out? wanted, like, studio. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see Paramount, yeah. Columbia on the back there. He wanted that professionalism. Absolutely. Uh, I didn't even know direct-to-video was a thing. I just knew I would go to the horror section when we went to the video store. But I didn't know that some of them were direct video. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. And so I was over at my buddy Carlos's house. The legend. Shout out to Carlos. The legend, Carlos. This guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All the R-rated movies <laughs> watching with Carlos growing up. I think... That guy I, was my hookup. What's funny is I certainly have an image <laughs> yeah. of Carlos in my head. I wonder what he looks like. We all the, know Carlos In the minds of our readers. This guy our, is our such, listeners. A, yeah. such a our show readers. legend. Uh, he was a video store connoisseur. Mm. He was the one that scoured the direct video. I was going to say, he did not turn his nose up to the direct, no, direct to video. No. So, and I didn't know it was a thing. We were probably 12. Mm -hmm. Uh, so 12 year old just cruising through direct video. And that's when he was like, Oh, I've been wanting to see this. Like he knew about it. He knew Maniac Cop 3 was a thing somehow. Mm -hmm. This 12 year old pre-internet. And, uh, that's why he's a legend. Yeah, right? This kid 
total rock star. <laughs> uh, and so I had never really seen anything like this because it felt like better than a TV movie, but definitely didn't have this. It had more of a grime than most oh, yeah. movies that I had seen. And I just fell in love with that franchise. Like I had, I would have never heard of it until my 20s had I not nice. <laughs> had a friend like this that introduced me to a, that there was not only a Maniac Cop one and two, but a three. That's cool when you find a new see like there's seven night eyes. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. I'm coming in late. More to, to love. Yeah, coming in late to night eyes. Well, that's when you're. Well, that's when you're like a. When I was a, a horror fan, learning about oh, there's like nine Hellraiser movies or something. Yeah, yeah it's just like oh, this is a, <laughs> there's a lot going on here. There's seven Amityville horrors. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> really. Five phantasm movies? Exactly. (laughs) So uh, there's so many of these movies just due to when we were born that they existed already for years. Yeah. Improbably to your kid brain. And that was this like, I've never even, I didn't even know they could call movies Maniac Cop. Well, sure. When I was, those weren't the kind of releases I was seeing on the shelves. And so let alone Maniac Cop 3. (laughs) (laughs) so many maniac cops and so this series has just been a love of mine for so long nice and this movie is really good this is such a great independent action horror film Mm -hmm. that makes incredible use of a one million dollar budget and it is just a testament to how impressive a director lustig is and larry cohen as a creator yeah, we have talked about some Larry Cohen movies. Larry before. Cohen's come up a We're lot. Fans. Yeah, <laughs> so far up. he's got his uh, had his hands on a lot of uh, a lot of projects. Yeah, uh, um, a lot of projects we happen to love. Yeah, and uh, but for a million bucks, this is a unique, cool, playful, fun movie. Absolutely, uh, violent, gory. Yeah, has crazy a, stunts. Has a ton of just great character actors and uh, people we love. Um, you know, I, I actually didn't even hear about this movie until maybe seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I had the chance to interview William Lustig. I had you join me on the call. Right. Because I knew that you knew who he was, and I really <laughs> wasn't familiar with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think we watched the the uh, second one first. Yeah, I showed so you So I saw I him out of order, two. too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of cool you see him out of order. <laughs> yeah. You don't really need to know the order that much, but... Uh, seeing it, seeing this first one uh, with the young Bruce Campbell, right? It's like, how did I miss this movie? Like, <laughs> I was a fan of Bruce Campbell as a kid from the Briscoe County Junior show sure. and the Evil Dead stuff, and there's a bunch of Evil Dead people in this movie, and right? Like, how did this get by me? Well, yeah, you mentioned I'll never know uh, the cast. Lustig, one of his great skills is it's like a similar to a Tarantino thing where he knows these old character actors and mm-hmm. he knows cool ways to use them that takes advantage of what they can bring to a movie. Yeah. And, you know, Tarantino's resurrected tons of people and cast people perfectly. Like he wrote Max Cherry for Robert Forster. Absolutely. You know, uh, I know Paul Newman, I guess, was supposed to be uh, con- considered for it and uh, that would have been cool but even even in reservoir dogs he's using lawrence tierney yeah and, right and chris penn <laughs> you know yeah he he's that's a thing he does don johnson and D- django unchained right that kind of thing and lustig does that on a cool one million dollar budget level 
you know, because the, the cast for Maniac Cop is so good. I think do we just need to go down the list, I think. Here? Well, there's just everybody in it is a guy that I really like. There's yeah. several people that are in like all the Larry Cohen movies. Right. That one guy who looks like Irish Trump, <laughs> James Dixon, you know? Absolutely. Uh He's he's been in It's Alive, the stuff. He's in all the Larry Cohen movies. Q, he's in everyone. So he's like a familiar face. Frank Pesh, you know, shows up just as a toll booth kind of guy. You right. know, like all these familiar faces from Lustig and Cohen movies are in there. But the big stars, there's like big names. There's Bruce, huge names. Yeah, Bruce Campbell and Tom Atkins Tom as Atkins. the lead. Another show legend. And Atkins is- we've talked about like. Four times. We, yeah, we've definitely brought him up. This is '88, so he's already done Halloween Three and Night of the Creeps. Like he's Fog. like he's, he's established, he's, mm-hmm. and this is definitely one of his more uh, serious straight man roles. Yeah, uh, like kind of more like uh, how he was in Escape from New York. Yeah, it's not as the... dark as you know some of the stuff in Halloween Three and Desperate. Like he right. was playing, even though he's the same kind of man in charge. But yeah, it's similar to more of like a an actual traditional cop kind yeah, of guy. Yeah. With a little of that Atkins color. Especially when he's like getting in people's faces and yelling. Like yeah. m- through his mustache. He's gr- oh, great mustache. Good mustache work. Perfectly this. manicured mustache. This is also the the uh, the whitest fox we've seen him up to this point. That's in his true. Career. That's he, true. You know, he, he's he full had, silver. He had the sandy brown hair uh, in the fog, and then over the decade he kind of went more silver, and this this is more White. Yeah, 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 and uh, white with the pepper in there. Even even cool. in Halloween three, yeah, it seems I feel like he was more just like a blonde mm-hmm. old dude. Yeah, <laughs> but this one he is white hair. Yeah. He's white hair. He's seen some shit like <laughs> like eight years later. <laughs> yeah, and uh, went fast. And so Tom Atkins and Bruce Campbell are your one too, and that's really cool. But Robert Zadar is a direct video legend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy is a. Uh, I mean, uh, and with him and Campbell involved, the original title was actually going to be Jaws Five. <laughs> so. I was going to say they, they uh, yeah, the the chin versus. You've never chin. seen Jaws this big in this yeah. movie. It needed Richard Keel. That's all you need. And that's it. That's the three off right there. So yeah, your protagonist and your antagonist are these. It's got the cool got Hitchcock story rolling throughout. Yeah, with Bruce Campbell as the wrongly accused man and also the crazy killers still on the loose. I love that. Yeah. He gets set up by Zadar only because of the chin. That's gotta be the only, like he's like, this guy yeah. looks it, as it, much like me as it's going to get. A big chinned cop been going around at night <laughs> killing people. I know a big chinned cop. <laughs> I'm going to get him. Oh, that big. Whoa. No, <laughs> oh, that's, Oh, that's yeah. way bigger than, uh, well, didn't Zadar have some sort of uh, medical condition? Yeah. Like gigantism of the jaw. Yeah, gigantism. Gigantism. (laughs) (laughs) But then a guy who's been coming up, seems like every episode now, uh, William Smith. This (laughs) this William Smith performance. What a great William Smith role. Out of sight. His voice has that Tom Waits gravel to it. Yeah. At this point in his career, which he play, which works perfect for him. He looks like. Joe Cabot in Reservoir Dogs. Oh, for he looks sure. like Laura, he looks like a more buff Lawrence Tierney. I could see that. Lawrence Tierney is fifteen years older. William <laughs> Smith. Yeah, while they're probably the same age. Too, yeah. yeah, 
You got the sans belt slacks with the over the belly, <laughs> and Smith's more like, dude, that's a jacked sixty-five year old. Yeah, this is the first time I've seen no mustache, Smith. He's he's shaved head, head, head shaved because he usually I did has, not recognize him at, at, until maybe the second scene. You recognize sure. that posture and that voice. The voice did it for sure. Yeah, but in every other thing, dude always has an impressive quaff of hair. Mm-hmm. He's got a good mane on him. Even old dude Smith got a good head of hair. Right. And that big old mustache. And here he's got a buzz cut. It looks like a IRA bomber. <laughs> you know, like, except as a 65-year-old man. Yeah. Just fully shaved but stubbly, like Jason Statham. It's like a, it looks like he's a guy that's going to go into the polar bear diving club that's just like, yeah. we jump in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. We're so, extreme old dudes. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of William Smith, and he is he's a powerhouse in this one. Great. Total old veteran police commissioner badass with the uh, lieutenant played by Shaft. Yeah, Richard, Richard Roundtree. We got Roundtree Everybody in this, in this movie is... A person. Bruce Campbell's wife was the uh, the madam at the One-Eyed Jacks in Twin Peaks. Uh-huh. Uh, like right after this. Right, right, right. So it's like these people that show up in cool shit are just all throughout this movie. It's so good. Uh, it's such a like, how did how did this fly under radar? Like, that's what is... I that's what I've been asking myself. Yeah. For the last decade. I mean, it's a moneymaker. Where was I? This is a this was a hugely successful rental. This made millions uh, on a one million budget. Spawned at least two sequels. Yeah, so this was a big movie that was big in ways that didn't get talked about in Entertainment Weekly. Right. You know, they weren't... Oh, (laughs) I've only read Entertainment Weekly up until eight years ago. (laughs) Shit, that was my problem. You know, they aren't talking about the hottest straight-to-video action horror movies currently at your rental store. That's true. So this movie is just made money and played, you know, played on cable a lot. Huge money from just cable airings. So just a cool cult movie. The definition of a cult movie. Right. Uh and Lustig is just so good at again, like Tarantino, finding these good parts for these good actors. Name I hadn't even mentioned yet. Cherie North. Mm-hmm. What a great fun method genre performance (laughs) that had so much stuff that didn't need her to be doing i love older character actors or even big stars who don't slum it in a genre trash movie uh rory calhoun in motel hell Mm -hmm. that was a western genuine star you know hollywood walk of fame star actor right he is not treating Motel Hell like the end of the road, <laughs> dogging it in his career. He is killing it as as a he's a pro. And uh, you know Chuck Connors in Tourist Trap, guy had two hugely successful western series, major celebrity, mm-hmm. and then just decides I'm also going to turn in an amazing horror villain <laughs> performance. That's cool. Or he maybe he didn't even think that. He just thought, well. This is my job. I'm an actor. You know. Yeah, that pro- that level of professionalism yeah. that all these character actors bring to stuff like this. He probably needed some money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what but, Bruce Campbell said. But he did it. But Cherie North sure. has this like. She has a huge limp. Yeah. She she has so many screaming scenes, especially down the stretch. 
It's like she is doing Scream Queen genre work in her 50s. She's basically kind of takes on the uh the, the, the Voorhees mother yes. role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, she has a lot that she gets to have fun with. Yeah, there's a lot of people just, even even Richard Roundtree, there's just like, he makes these choices to just like give it a little extra juice or, or yeah. a little extra squeeze. And uh, William Smith, the scene where uh, he tells Bruce Campbell that his wife is dead. Yeah. All-time favorite uh, worst way to tell someone that your wife has died. <laughs> you expect you expect him to, to deliver the news like, uh, you know, I have some very terrible news. Your wife is dead. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he brings him out into the hallway and he's like interrogating him a little bit because he's this, uh, you know, he's a suspect. Yeah. But he's like, what businesses are, you know... Uh, since when is uh, our personal life your business? Since your wife was found dead this morning in a motel. <laughs> Slit her throat from ear to ear. And he makes the ear to yeah. ear movement in the, on his neck. Like, you're telling a man his wife has <laughs> just been murdered. There a little are, tact. There are so that's many. that's just such a brilliant way to do it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. It's such a hard. God, William Smith is just always a bad dude. <laughs> <laughs> he, outside of Laredo, Even as a police this captain, guy is an a-hole yeah oh, in he's a every walk of life movie. oh what a what a hard ass yeah this guy but yeah he is so strong of a character in just what three scenes you know intro police scene he makes the most of them yeah. they have a bar scene and you see him here and there yeah there's but a whole such investigation a, probably there. under 10 minutes of screen time yeah all these uh big stars get you know five to ten minutes and that's one of my favorite things in movies, especially the last decade. Mm-hmm. You get away from critical reviews of movies and just go for something like this. It's like, this has 15 different actors that I like. I like watching these people. And Lustig is so good at giving them cool things to do. And I love movies like this with just five, ten minutes here of all these cool people. And all the Maniac Cops have that. This movie, though, has more than just, I have good taste in who I hire on the screen. Because the stunt work and the action direction is so impressive for a low-budget independent movie. Oh, yeah. Especially a low-budget late 80s direct-to-video. Like, looking back, there are so many unhinged car stunts in these movies. Yeah, this movie fits our car stunt, uh, car chase theme that that, that we were hitting on earlier that this Canon year. That Canon Films 85 to 88 run, which is just explosion budgets through the roof and just crazy, well, this guy wants to make a good impression doing stunt work on this movie, mm. kind of car scenes, because this movie was the big like breakout for a stunt legend, Spiro Rosatos. Yes. He is like a famous weird guy name <laughs> amongst our movie group. <laughs> Well, isn't he like the stunt guy in all the Marvel movies now or something? Like, Yeah, he got his start doing this kind of work Yeah, and being known for just being crazy and trying out wild stunts. Dangerous. Dangerous <laughs> stunts. And, but he pulled him off. And now 30 years later, he's just doing stuff like stunt coordinator, like the head guy for Marvel movies, all the Fast and the Furious movies, like the biggest budget yeah. action stuff. Blowing up a lot of things. So the guy's like the top stunt coordinator. And 
30 years before, Lustig, this is one of those right. magic-in-a-bottle occurrences. Lustig has been, <laughs> you know it has to be because he's just a smart dude, because he keeps being in the right place at the right time for all this stuff in his career. He started directing right when you could still make money making porno movies. <laughs> you know? His yeah, first, yeah, you're he, right. He you're directed right. two porns, and his first one... Adult films. Adult films, so, yeah. Erotic films, please. Yeah, not just... You know, like films, stuff not actually written not just films porn, in the late seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Boogie Nights kind of era exactly. of like plots and people and big bush. And he came into that at a time when it was easier to raise money to make because you can make money. And yeah. he made very good money doing two pornos and then knew right when to pivot to slasher movies, then knew right when to pivot to street justice movies, and knew right he just kept being in the right place. He even he worked at Anchor Bay when DVDs mm-hmm. took off and produced all their horror features. And then he cut at the right time when all the licenses expired and signed them all up to release on Blue Underground. Right, exactly. People today <laughs> probably know him more for Blue Underground. Yeah. So the guy just has just been in the right place for all this stuff to happen for 30 years now, yeah. 40 years. And finding a guy like Spiro Rosados, who's working for Peanuts, but willing to make a name for himself mm-hmm. oh my god there's like six movies with spiro stunts in lusting things and they are all the most memorable action stunts uh compared to any of the big budget big office guys like yeah van damme and you know insane stuff and this movie has a couple of them that are just like the quality and the class that it brings to a movie like oh shit these people are out here dying <laughs> You know, that era of 55 to 88. Getting get like, thrown out of windows, yeah. uh, diving off of piers. A lot yeah, of windows, a lot of crazy stuff. dives, a lot of big building jumps. Uh, the first crazy one is we get a death of a major character mm-hmm. by hitting a car, car hood from six stories up. And you see a good portion of a fall. You see him go down the whole way. It feels like they actually did throw a guy. Yeah, he hits that car. Lustig uh, has this uh, knack for long takes of crazy action because he's really showing you. I'm not faking this. Mm-hmm. There's fire stunts in a lot of his movies. A lot, yeah. Guy loves setting a dude on fire. Why wouldn't you? For yeah. And then just like, show... Showing it for a minute. Like, but that's the thing you have to understand. That's why William Lustig got into filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. You know, he grew up as a kid watching Grindhouse movies on 42nd Street. Yeah. Instead of going to school. And that's where, that's his, that's his education. So yeah. he is like the guy that carried on the 70s, the 60s and 70s into totally. the 80s. And, uh. Yeah, why are you going to make a movie if you don't get to set a guy on fire or blow a guy <laughs> up with a thing? Or, you know, even he, even even one of the early kills where he uh, tosses the guy into the windshield and gets to oh, yeah. have that great slow-mo, the windshield cracking and the blood flowing out the guy. It's like, yes, this is why we're <laughs> making these movies. This well, is why these movies are here. We get a, He's also great. pretty famous for his uh, windshield use. Yeah. <laughs> In movies, they're, they're pretty infamous I th- probably the scene in Maniac is well, probably a, his most that's famous what I'm thinking. Yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah. Savini blowing his own head off. Yeah, uh, right. Scene. Yeah. <laughs> so the guy's uh, made good use of bloody shattered windshields. And 
he does that stuff. He has his favorite tricks. Yeah. And he's always finding cool new ways to introduce them. We also get another another one he likes. The uh just that cop getting his head blown off. Oh yeah. In in a in an actual well written, well played out scene where now there's been all this word of this maniac cop on the town. The same thing that we're hearing now in 2020. Uh-huh. You, Streets yeah. are filled with nothing but maniac cops. Can't trust them. Can't go out at night. So the town's... I like the aspect that the town's scared. Mm-hmm. city's scared of this killer cop. Weird. That seems like a very scared Larry, Cohen, cops, Larry huh? Cohen thing. Yeah, it's like all this brilliance of Lustig. And we get to pair it with Larry Cohen mm-hmm. giving us a really cool plot that actually kind of adds up and giving us the social commentary. You know, we've talked about his commentary on the stuff. Oh yeah. For consumer culture, his commentary, uh what would we do? Uh, it's alive. Oh yeah. Pharmaceutical Pe- going after pharmaceutical right? companies. Right. So many and people stuff. watching that movie, it's alive and a lot of the stuff Larry Cohen, his social issues and stances are not just half-assed. Yeah. They're presented in super trashy packages but that's kind of the the point so this one kind of being the anti-cop and and mass hysteria reminded me more of of god told me to even just that kind of city city hysteria that kind of works its way into the plot too yeah he larry cohen likes that kind of uh either small town or big city hysteria yeah exactly (laughs) you know as long as people are freaking out that's yeah, what he's into. and he's yeah. super effective at presenting it. Mm-hmm. They're a good pair, uh, regardless of how much you want to believe Larry Cohen had a part of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many great things that both of them go back to, and I'm a big fan of professional wrestling. Mm. And there's a formula of tag team wrestling called Southern Tag Formula, okay, where the two heels separate one of the baby faces and beat him down until they can't take it and then the baby face magically reaches his partner who's Cla- fresh. classic tag team strategy classic strategy a formula that's been around in wrestling for a long time mm-hmm. but when matches use that formula they're almost always really good <laughs> like it works right. it's a successful formula and lustig just fell into such a cool groove with his formulas, I really like his use of Jay Chataway as his scorer. I was going to bring up the, yeah, the composer. There's certain things. Because uh, when you were talking about the stunt guy, it's like yeah. he had that same thing with Jay Chataway doing the music for Maniac back in 1980. Yeah. Man, look at Chataway's resume. I know. Holy cow. Yeah, the guy is huge. That guy basically took over the Star Trek franchise in the 90s. Yeah. And unless they got him among on like... many, many other <laughs> things that he yeah. does. Super brilliant stuff. One of the most highly regarded genre scores. And he gives this score, this score should just be like dun 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 dun. dun. Yeah. But he gives this score a real creepiness. Oh, those cheap electronic drum. He gives this yeah, score cool. like the flashback scene where we kind of get the origin of Maniac Cop. Almost feels like a bizarre off-key, like, it, what do you call it? Nursery rhyme music. Sure. Like, he gives it this bizarre... Uh, I, I got these... It had these same kind of haunted vibes that some of the Godfather score had. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these the, the halls of terror kind of part of the score, where it's like this echoing, booming, but kind of thundering footstep mm-hmm. orchestral score. 
and that's one of those things when I'm watching this, you know, movie as a kid who doesn't know any better and knows like this isn't a movie that is like other new release movies that I see. Right. <laughs> Though I'm pretty sure Maniac Cop played theaters. Uh, it must have, but I, I think it's if you look at its box office, it did not even make a million. Yeah, this this was a movie office. that was it was, it was a gonna be hit. a huge yeah. video store and cable hit. But you know, I'm watching this as a kid, not knowing any better, <laughs> not knowing <laughs> what this kind of movie is, and those kind of touches, the Jay Chataway score, the crazy stunts, like that, adds so much to the legitimacy. Like, oh, this is something that belongs on this screen. Mm-hmm. Like, this is notable. And a classy score like this, a super professional, tight, inventive score, just adds so much for me. And this, the the work Jay Chataway does on Lustig Films is great. Totally. Maniac Cop 2, probably even. That was both of them at, like, their career, <laughs> you know, the like, genre peak. Yeah, there's so many weird elements to Lustig movies I like uh, from his own little Hitchcock stuff. Mm. Not just in his plots, but uh, the fact that he always appears in a scene. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he does show up as, as the motel lot, lot of A lot of clerks. A lot of, lot of desk, yeah, yeah. front desk, uh, sleazy, late night places, guys. It works. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Fits the bill, I guess. So, yeah, but he does, he does Hitchcock plots. And good. He does them well. You know, the, the, the whole plot of Bruce Campbell wrongly accused as the big-chinned murderer Absolutely, yeah, is a yeah. cool, engaging story mixed with some pretty crazy, violent Robert Zadar flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. You know, to a cop being sent to jail with the, you know, the biggest enemy of everyone in this jail. That's a different kind of terror. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like human justice terror. I would just say, though, uh, if you're a cop who has to go to jail, maybe don't shower in the middle of the night. Maybe that's not the time mm. of day in pitch black darkness. Yeah, maybe that's, that's not when you take a shower. You know, alone. he was rolling the dice. He's <laughs> like, do I go in when everybody's there and be surrounded? Or do, I go in, in? or do I go in when nobody's there, but they know that I'm the only one? In, like, ah, that's might tough. Be, that might be it. That's yeah. two bad sides of the coin. Maybe he thought he could sneak one in. Yeah, yeah just yeah. a quickie shower while everyone's <laughs> sleeping. Just quietly scrubbing. Oh, man, I'm smelling like... Bunky. Yeah, oh, I've been been avoiding this place. (laughs) I love a good uh, prison walk. Those always scare the hell out of me. That's the scariest thing in any movie. That slow motion panning angle of nothing but all the prisoners staring at the new prisoner coming in. Well, that's my nightmare. That's me. Oh, that's a huge huge nightmare some kid's gonna ride his bike in front of my car (laughs) and i'm gonna be that guy getting walked in uh exactly that scare that's those scenes scare me every time (laughs) it's like my biggest biggest fear and uh lustig does a good oh i wish i could be cool enough to be staring shit talking prisoner (laughs) in one of these prison walks like a, like a guy with long hair and like a sh- like a shitty tattoo just kind of walking out of his cell like from a nap oh yeah just yeah, to yeah. get a look down <laughs> right. but just like like oh yeah. oh so what's going on guys what what's we got? up what oh we got? yeah new guy mm-hmm. <laughs> like i imagine myself as the guy hanging from the bars oh man there's always a dude hanging from the second <laughs> the second floor bars just sitting with his legs through 
Like or, he's or a, just like yeah, just like I got my hands up on the top bars, just mm-hmm. kind of stretching out the old yeah. There's there's pecs. A, he's always flanked by two guys, <laughs> but he's the one in the middle just holding holding some bars up over you his head. You got it. You got it. Oh, they're all for, so for good. the listener. We're doing the motion, <laughs> we're, the holding we the, got, the arms up motion. It's a method performance yeah, of we're uh, killing it. We weren't just making the arms above head voice. Uh, <laughs> That was, we, that was genuine stretching you yeah heard we the mic uh, we couldn't just recreate that just <laughs> phonally but oh i love a good prison walk scene oh i hate him i hate him and uh similar to how the uh the maniac cop uh the maniac windshield scene was mm-hmm. i think the big famous awful scene from maniac cop was the the face slashing yeah the shower slashing was the kind of legendary gross thing that was the thing getting cut when it played in europe oh yeah yeah you know they have a few shots in particular where they really they they uh what do you they, they heath ledger joker this guy mm-hmm. big time yeah which is the 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 effects work is another thing this is right in that peak of the the best era for yeah low budget uh practical effects I love the the scar makeup on Zadar mm-hmm. uh, that you get a great look at down the final five minute stretch of this movie. Those raised scars because you can see how sloppy the work was when oh. these guys were carving his face. Oh, the the makeup work played really convincingly. I thought just grotesque mountains of uh, you know newly formed pits and fl- oh. yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. And and but also like uh, yeah, all the killings were like a lot of killing, a lot, lot of killing, <laughs> a lot of good blood. Uh, the guy who gets his head put in the cement. Oh yeah, effects like that. The cement scene is great. Yeah, the the construction great... guys having to jackhammer a guy's head out of the new fresh cement. That's so good. And then, geez, Atkins goes out a window. You know, Cherie uh, North gets thrown around. Yeah, she gets battered. I'm a little confused. So there's a gr- the there's a big kind of like Terminator esque scene in the police station where a dozen cops are just kind of dead around the hallways <laughs> yeah. and stuff. So I'm a little confused as to the efficiency of Maniac Cop because it seems like well, it's not. It it's seems not like he by was a- the books cop. <laughs> he was able to take out like two guys. Like simultaneously next to each other, hanging one of them. But then he yeah. kind of spends about. Um, two minutes tossing Atkins <laughs> around between various file cabinets. Atkins, so he's and, maybe he's like worn out by then. He's like, oh, more guys keep showing up. But. Yeah, there's some people that get just stabbed brutally. That one guy gets hung up by a ceiling fan. But Cherie, but you're North, just seeing guys like in the hallway corners and oh, on the yeah, stairwells, just, just like off. And these guys didn't even call for help. He yeah, killed man. them so quickly. <laughs> just, but Cherie North took him a good two minutes. I like to think that was, you know, she was his mother figure. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, he was, he was yeah. lashing out at the one person who, who still loves him. This movie's a great like. It's got that maniac New York grittiness. It's basically a, a Friday the Thirteenth esque, totally supernatural killer you never really find out why he's supernatural like he survived his killing in jail yeah at least child's play gives us the lightning story yeah there's no ever like (laughs) thing that that tells you what happened there so i like that mysterious though like like we don't need to know why yeah i don't care he's he's you just need to know he's an indestructible boogeyman don't care yeah he's kind of like a maniac cop 
yeah, yeah. Jason has gone through. What part of Maniac Cop do you not understand? Yeah, Jason <laughs> and Michael Myers have been right. ripped to shreds more than Cordell. Mm-hmm. So I don't care. Yeah, and it then it's also just a very good like kind of detective story. Like they actually go through the paces of yeah, getting and, clues and and getting leads and, and and again, spoiler alert, but there's a uh, fun Hitchcock twists, mm-hmm. things you don't expect. Like spoiler alert, Tom Atkins dying an hour into the movie, <laughs> right? Right. Top build oh, yeah. star dying uh, an hour in, and then that cool way that it becomes Bruce Campbell's movie. And he was a, you know, the second major character. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly, that I like when a top character is like, "Oh shit, things can happen." This movie has consequences. Yeah, people can die in this movie. Okay, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some of these guys might not make it to the end. Like, well, and uh, then also, spoiler alert: this movie kind of like that one Brian Bosworth movie. Yeah, the maniac cop achieves his goals of killing the commissioner and the chief. Uh, <laughs> Captain uh, Ripley, yeah. the guys who he blamed for setting him up or, or for sending him to prison. Yeah. The whole point was to get them, and he does. So mm-hmm. good on yeah, Good, good on, on you. Yeah. <laughs> you like, did it. So, yeah, what I can't remember that name of that movie where Lance Henriksen. Stone Cold. Stone Cold. Yeah. Where it's like, we've got to stop the gang from killing the entire Supreme Court. The gang just killed the entire Supreme Court. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Oh, well. Again, that I'm was. still the hero at the end was, of this movie, yeah. though. Well, a lot of people died, but uh, but the good the, the ones we wanted to die died as well. Yeah, yeah, as well that ends well. Yeah, Stone Cold will be a future episode. What a what a picture! But that was also from that same era of like, oh yeah, eighty of these guys are gonna die, mm-hmm. um, including the biggins, including the big names. But such a great pace uh, that rivals any exciting eighty six to ninety big budget theatrical action movie this one is this one is actually kind of striking for its yeah lack of comedic tone yeah they don't go for cheap laughs they treat the material with respect it ties into what i was saying about these actors you know sheree north wasn't just gonna half-ass it she treated like you know she's a multi-time emmy nominated actress she was a successful tv and movie actress through the 70s right and uh she is treating this like a serious this could get noticed. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Bruce <laughs> you know? Campbell's like it's a pretty serious role for Bruce Campbell. Yeah, he's, it's not a it's not the funny wacky Bruce. Yeah, this he, is like the most. He serious. does get he does get uh, tossed around a bit in the back of the police uh, yeah, the paddy yeah. wagon at the end. He he gets tossed around a bit. Yeah, but he's also like got this. He's introduced as this philandering husband in a tense relationship with his wife and. Mm-hmm. Kind of a not not exactly the most likable dude. No, but yeah, it's so it's it's like there's there's cool dialogue like this isn't about romance, this is about murder, <laughs> but it's not played like wah, wah, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's the material's played straight, yeah, and that's important because even when there's ridiculous stuff kind of around like a cop returned from the dead <laughs> or uh, even smaller Sorry. things like the mullet. The super distracting mullet on that coroner. Oh, yeah. Who has this coroner. crazy, like, poodle surf mullet. It's like, how'd this guy go through med that school? That was, like, maybe the one time they were trying to do something funny, it seemed like, that coroner. Yeah, it's like... Yeah. Oh, the wacky coroner. Yeah, the wacky... Like, what kind of... Who would trust their coroner with a haircut <laughs> like this? Like, how could this guy even go to restaurants? Let alone That's work as, as a lab technician. Uh, that guy... 
I'm pretty sure he like he's actually Lustig's doctor or oh, something, right. and because so, I know that guy turns up in three or four other Lustig movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, apparently Jake Lamada's in this movie somewhere yeah, as a detective. His uncle. Yeah. Uh, and then you see <laughs> Sam Raimi pop up in a cameo. You see the guy who's in Evil Dead 2. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sam Raimi's the newscaster. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Lustig told me they all those scenes, they had no license to film this <laughs> stuff. They had no no right to be out there filming this movie. Yep. This is guerrilla filmmaking on a tight budget that could not look more professional. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, the, yeah, they're getting film of this like actual St. Patrick's Day or police you know how parade. Expensive that that, and that's what adds to the legitimacy and the class of this movie. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this is a scene with three hundred extras. Like, this must be. A they big just didn't budget. know they were extras yeah, in a just movie. Nobody at the time. signed a thing. <laughs> but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like guys crashing a party. It has that kind of Romero vibe. Mm-hmm. You know, that War of the Worlds vibe, like, I'm out here on the streets of, you know. Totally. <laughs> it's that classic genre vibe. And yeah, it's Sam Raimi. And so that's instantly to to our level of genre fan. It's like, mm-hmm. man, this movie has everything. <laughs> and then we haven't even gotten to the the final chase, which does amusingly jump back. I think every single scene goes from New York to L.A. Oh, and yeah. back again. <laughs> you can just tell the slight differences between New York industrial architecture and the LA streets. Uh, so there's a lot of jumping back, which I think is the, that's got to be a uh, sure bullet jumped around to different parts of San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Lustig thing. jumped back and forth coastal for his, <laughs> do what uh, you got to do for his car chase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's seriously half and half LA, New York, but it plays so well. The stunts, uh, geez, that, Either he covered it well or Bruce Campbell's nuts because I thought the Bruce Campbell on the car door scenes, I don't know how safe those were. Knowing him, probably super safe. He just knows how to make stuff look crazy. Yeah. But Zadar punching Campbell around the door and the door swinging out and Campbell's legs hitting the side of the truck. Like, that's cool stunt work. Yeah. And either it's cool editing and knowing exactly where to splice Bruce and, and your stunt guy. I didn't see any seams. It that's, looked like Campbell hanging off that door. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. You'll get the close-up of him, and then you'll get a shot maybe from his perspective, and then a wide shot, and then back to him. So, yeah, they know how to... His editing is so tight on those scenes. But then you give it more credit because there's plenty of scenes where he shows there's not a cut. And when we get to our final crash of this movie... A movie stunt so nice, <laughs> he used it twice. You got to. Yeah. Um, Cordell taking that huge dock pole right through his chest when he's driving this huge newspaper police mm-hmm. truck uh, through the city, taking these GTA-level squealing 90-degree <laughs> turns. Yeah. A lot of great 90-degree turns throughout this scene. Good chase. But running the truck through the warehouse... Outside, oh, love the final set piece. Love how he tosses Campbell around. Yeah. Guy's superhuman Jason Voorhees strength, you know. But when, once he takes off and Campbell gets on that car door and they go flying for the edge of the dock, that stunt. That guy has to basically do a backflip moonsault away from the flying 
police truck. Right. The police truck kind of veers off the dock going right. It takes a jump he's that's supposed, supposed to, to throw left. the truck right. Yeah. And he's supposed to jump backwards off because he was hanging off the driver's side door. But he doesn't quite push off hard enough. You can tell he he's not as far as away from that truck as he wanted to be. No. no. He, he wanted to put his foot miffed. His bottom foot hit, didn't hit. And so he did not get half the push that he wanted. So he basically just starts falling backwards that looks like he's going to fall underneath yeah, right. <laughs> this huge truck. And luckily the truck you see, and you get this beautiful slow-mo shot of him just flipping away from this thing as the car, you're like rooting for that truck to tilt <laughs> away from him. Yeah. You don't actually want to see a, a moment dude of, die. There, there is a moment of like, oh, Lord, he's not going to make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's not going to get far away from yeah. this truck. And so then when it finally starts to turn, you get that great crash ending. Like, whoo, what a stunt. Yeah. That is like a Hall of Fame. A stand up and clap. Yeah. In the theater kind that's of stunt. A, that's a kind of stunt that gets you hired on Marvel movies. <laughs> yeah. 10 years later. That's why this guy is the best in the business. Later. Yeah. Amazing. And he just happened to, this guy was a young guy. Just out there trying to impress. Crossed paths at the perfect time. And it was like one of those, you know, David Lynch, Kyle MacLachlan, perfect pairings. Mm-hmm. Like, God, I'm glad these two crossed paths. Totally. I'm glad these two met. You know, Cohen and uh, Francis McDormand. Mm-hmm. Man, they know what to what to get out of each other. William Lustig knows so Tim many... Tim Burton people. and Johnny Depp. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what are some... Remy Harlan and Gina Davis. <laughs> you know, the classics. <laughs> But <laughs> Wes Anderson and Bill Murray. Thank God. Those Thank guys God. Yeah, right? <laughs> Glad we got that back on track. Uh, but Lustig knows tons of these people. Oh, yeah. That he has these symbiotic relationships with. That like, whew, glad these two met up. Well, him and, yeah, him and uh, Spinell, too. You know? Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, him and Spinell are just like, how does he have such amazing chemistry? Mm-hmm. Feels like he is not directing these people. It seems like he is just crafting a movie for all his friends. It couldn't have been that way. I'm sure he was professional with all of them. He was great friends with Spinell. Sure. For sure. But it's just such a great use of so many great people. And it just adds to the professionalism of a movie called Maniac Cop. (laughs) Beautiful stuff. (laughs) It's such a... Too many people are wired to not accept that, you know? If there was an HBO show called Maniac Cop, that would legitimize it to a lot of people. Well, I think you're going you know? to get your wish. I Isn't, uh-huh. that, isn't that what uh, we're, we're, we I might see on the horizon? I know that's the rumors. Yeah. but That's been in development for about a decade and yeah, a half he's, now, he's, right? he told us about that like 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lustig, so, uh, yeah, if you go on IMDb, you might see that there's an in-production or in-development Maniac Cop TV series. Yeah, like a uh, prestige series. With uh, the <laughs> guy from Drive, the director of Drive, is like a producer. <laughs> yeah. And, and Ed Brew Baker, who's a great uh, comic book writer. Oh, yeah, yeah, Is a, supposed to be a writer on the script or whatever. But it's, yeah, it's been something that's been in the works for uh Yeah, a Maniac Cop is a prestige we'll see. series. We'll see. We're going to talk about the other two and three. That's right. Including two is my favorite. So we wanted, to put, is, we wanted is, to put those in like that in its own thing. A super good movie, yeah. 
to his to his and Lustig himself regards it as his best film. Mm. Like he has that above Maniac. Uh, so I don't feel too crazy in blowing that one up. But uh, as a little bonus here, we're going to talk about another Lustig film that both of us actually just saw for the first time. I yeah, think. absolutely. There's only one Lustig movie that I've not seen, which is uh, the Judd Nelson one, Relentless, mm-hmm. which also spawned <laughs> sequels. It did. It's like three or four relentless oh, wow. movies. Oh, man. Uh, with cool people in it, you know, like of these era films, like William Forsythe, oh, cool. who was in Stone Cold. And, well, you know, look, look for the relentless uh, HBO series in 2022 yeah. then. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen, uh, we've seen some in the weeds lustig. We've, we've watched Hit List. Yes. Which is great and has more crazy Spiro stunts, including that one where he almost gets his beheaded by a... More good car Parking stuff. garage yeah. Uh, beam. Yeah. But this one, n- neither of us had seen. It was his very last movie before he got out of that and got into the home video sales. And uh, I'd never seen it, been wanting to see it. Felt like the right time to see it. Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. Uh, yeah, this is a 96 film that probably also played a lot in the video stores, I would guess. Yeah, this this was, was one this of those... Was this a straight-to-video, you think? It was. Oh, definitely. Okay. okay, yeah. 100%. 96 was kind of the tail end of the direct-to-video as a serious thing. Right. You know, because we we've we watched tons of direct-to-video from the late 80s to early 90s. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of gems in that 94 to 96, but there's less of them. That era of 88 to 93, especially, that was the direct-to-video genre wheelhouse. So this is after that. This is a late gem, though. Yeah. A late gem. Yeah. And uh, this movie is one of those where uh probably gets a pretty bad low grade just because it's a direct-to-video. It's a bit cheesy. Yeah. The effects are okay. But it's a lot of fun. I actually enjoyed uh, quite a bit of this. And it's another one that's packed with cool character actors. Totally different one. It's not um, like he keeps going back to the same well yeah. of people. You know, <laughs> right, we, right. A whole new, yeah. A whole, a whole new, new cast of, other, oh, this is like 10 other people that I love. Exactly. And yeah, this movie is, uh, it's kind of like uh, how you and I, well, you and I both had Kill Bill 2 as our bottom mm. uh, Tarantino movie. But how people consider Death Proof. Seems to be the consensus right. lowest. Uh, we had it I like several it up. I like, I like Death Proof. Yeah. But uh, it's still regarded as like, well, yeah, it's the worst Tarantino, but, uh, you know, it's a lot of directors would really want a Death Proof on their resumes. Right. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, again, I think Relentless is also the only one of Lustig's I've not seen, so we need to get on that, but... Yeah. So far, not up. a bad movie in the bunch. Yeah. Like, even though this one is uh, a bit on the cheaper side. This one or side. Hit List is probably the weakest. And that said, they're two. <laughs> I've seen plenty of direct to video era movies like this that are nowhere near as strong Absol- that's and well laid out totally. as both of those movies. Totally. And this one, again, teams Lustig with Larry Cohen. Yeah. Doesn't he? Doesn't Cohen write the script for yeah. this one? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, you still get this one is a, is a lot more on the head as far as its politics. <laughs> yeah, this is an anti-war movie. The the Uncle Sam is a military Desert Storm vet who's killed by friendly fire and then returns and returns from the dead. Well, that's to, why the- to kill the unpatriotic, <laughs> hypocritical people who who wave the flag but don't actually care about the uh, right 
the country or the vets. The performative or, uh, yeah. patriots. Wonder, which is very that, apropos now. I was going to say, that, that has nothing to do with what we're dealing no, with right now. No, this movie definitely so. doesn't feel like uh, the... <laughs> But uh, but still, yeah, it's it's got that strong Larry Cohen social message, but also just fun, cool characters. Well, and I, th- I thought it was a fun idea to do as a bonus because, you know, we, Maniac Cop is so adored. And this is essentially Maniac Vet. Exactly. This is the same thing where a uh, Uncle Sam, he straight Maniac Cops us. Absolutely. He should does. be dead. He's not. Eh. Don't know. Kills a lot of people on the way. Gonna kill a lot of anybody he meets along the way. Yeah. I like these. It's an unexplained Frankenstein. They even bring it up in Maniac Cop where she's like, I thought you were gonna kill bad guys. You're just killing people going about their business. <laughs> oh, glad you brought that up. I'm and, glad uh, we got that in. Yeah. That that to me is just like a, yeah, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, what, is, what is he going for here? <laughs> Killing a trumpet player? Like, Man, we, don't, we don't know where this guy lies. So, yeah, Uncle Sam's definitely the same way where you're like, I'm not sure what the agenda is here. He <laughs> just seems to be killing everybody. Yeah, this guy's just a real dick. <laughs> I like the, uh, yeah, I like just unexplained Frankenstein. I like that. Like, That's Frankenstein gets into the deep science of what this guy's doing. These are just fluke Frankensteins in Southern California. Yeah. Just like, you know, out in the out in the suburbs, out in Laverne. But he's like, also got kind of another kind of Jason Voorhees dimension to him, Uncle Sam, in that he's like resurrected when teens burn an American flag and the yeah. ashes fall on his grave. <laughs> like that triggers him. Which uh, his spirit somehow. That that feels like a Jason Lives moment. <laughs> the great know? the great thing about that, and also the thing that I also hate about it now. <laughs> is one of these shitty Republican Twitter meme accounts that uh, that have like a million followers could just tweet out that mm. and then put Trump at the end of it. And like a bunch of fucking dads around America will be like, that's the coolest thing. Like right. the ashes raised the Patriot. Right. And right. here it's just like, but it owns. <laughs> I'm, people could use it for wrong, but... That kid was swanging that mm-hmm. burning American flag. <laughs> Have you ever seen a cooler burning of an American flag? I feel like they last. They like tied it up in a lasso or something. That to get kid it was just whipping it around <laughs> his head while it was just. Uh, and I'm thinking, you know how much Lustig likes lighting people on fire. I'm like, is oh, he yeah. gonna light this kid, this teen, on fire in a graveyard? Holy shit. Like, that kid is just whipping. That was... That's funny. He was swinging it. He was determined. That was a... I mean, you get that kind of level of involvement where your drunken teens in a cemetery are also doing fire stunts? (laughs) Damn. It's also like, what are you mad at, teenager? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the same teen who then later makes a mockery of the national anthem. Oh right? yeah, he he and Roseanne like, barred it. He, he, yeah, yeah, exactly. Roseanne bars the national anthem, and just like, what what are you angry about? What I didn't get those teens. Like, what what are you fighting against here, popular kid? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's got all things considered for a burnout sixteen year old teen who probably gets into arguments with his parents a lot. He found a way to have. A cool bunch of beers and like a couple of J's in the graveyard. Seemed like he was doing okay. His buddies, like, 
seems pretty cool for for a sixteen year old. I wanted to like him. Yeah, and then he Roseanne bars the the damn national anthem. Yeah, he I did. Uh, I can't stand for that. He, well, I I do like. You could tell for this character, they got a kid that could actually sing. <laughs> he cast a kid that could sing to butcher the national anthem. He gives us a couple of bars at the beginning. Oh yeah, when the when it's the crowd's beautiful. just like. This kid really expects respects our nation. <laughs> this little this young man. Right. The future's not all bleak. And let me tell you, this kid straight kneels all over this this <laughs> anthem. <laughs> that must be such a weird scene for like a fifteen year old act. Just like, yeah, be the school goof off right. in front of this crowd of a hundred people. <laughs> That's a that's a weird scene to play out. He gets one of my favorite, maybe my favorite kill of the movie though. That teen because uh, he participates in the sack race later, <laughs> tries to shortcut the sack race, and then eventually he falls gets what's down, to him. falls down a hill, getting impaled by Uncle Sam with a flagpole. Salute that motherfucker. This is it's, you would in any other poetic justice. Movie, yeah, in any other horror movie, this would be the legendary kill. Yeah. This cross-country sack race <laughs> is, I don't know, I've been to small-town picnics. I've competed in sack races. Let me tell you, I was a good sack racer. Mm-hmm. I had just, oh, you almost lose control. Because you your legs are stuck together, but you, you get hopping quick enough, man, get the right lean. I was a good sack racer. It, it's all about the... the amount of slack you give yourself mm-hmm. during you you got to give yourself slack when you land but then you got to pull it up when you jump yeah. or else you're going to drag on the ground got to know it's when very, to tighten it yeah. but you can't got to know when to loosen it so you don't trip yourself up exactly that's what I'm yeah the directorial hardship <laughs> that was deciding to film like a 20 person sack race that we had so many pile ups <laughs> throughout this race this uh, this sack race Covers more ground than like a half marathon. Yeah. They are just off-roading. At some point, he's like, race. and then he's taking a shortcut. I think he goes through the town dump at one point. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long race. The, the shortcut the kid takes is longer than any sack race I've ever participated exactly, in. Exactly. But you get this. So you get all these great sack race cheap shots. Like they're playing oh, roar yeah. derby. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to fuck each other up out on the dirt road sack race. Yeah, he totally blue shells the whole crew in front of him. (laughs) Just one after the other. Yeah, he's just throwing elbows out there. (laughs) This 17-year-old who just, like, dumped on the anthem. Like, whoa, this guy's playing for keeps on the fourth. Yeah. And uh, he takes this tremendous... Tumble down a hill while staying in the sack the whole time. Just taking all these bumps head over ass. And then gets up again hopping. Oh, it's so good. It's a, yeah. It's such the longest chase that ends with just an impalement on the thrones of glory. <laughs> on the rock flag and eagle. Absolutely. Oh, my God. This kid jumps right into a <laughs> the, the flag flagpole killing in Uncle Sam. If you're making a compilation of 80s horror slasher killings, mm. this is so funny. Like, if, yeah, if you're doing like a best of direct to video, yeah, s- you know, silly or or just funny kills, yeah, this one goes right up. There's there, so I many think. movies that are really well regarded for the genre and 
really good, like Ice Cream Man. Mm. It's similarly cheap, similarly shot like it's a daytime TV movie. Totally. A lot of daylight, Mm -hmm. which is always off-putting in movies when you're getting spring daylight. Through a whole movie. Yeah, and your killer's dressed up at like Uncle Sam in like the blue and white outfit. Yeah, just yeah. killings happening during the day <laughs> is is off-putting. Uh, just a sunny day. That scene of him in the lemon orchard. That's creepy. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's movies like Ice Cream Man that are really, you know, super popular cult favorites. Made for a similar budget with a similar look in the same year, I think. I think 96. Probably around the same time, yeah. But Uncle Sam has so much more professionalism <laughs> to those kind of stunts and those kind of build-ups to kills. And, as we said, the acting talent involved. Yeah. You get Bo Hopkins, Robert Forster in like two scenes, uh, Isaac Hayes with some pretty serious material. Yeah, I'm into the Isaac Hayes stuff. Isaac Hayes is the guy who's you know, bringing back some of the horrors of war. Right. You know, he gets that cool line, something about, uh, you know, they expect you to go after the, out there and act crazy and then expect you to come home and never act crazy again. Right, right. You know, he's explaining wh- the whys and hows of uh, this maniac vet. He liked killing. He liked yeah. killing. Yeah. There's no <laughs> such thing as a hero. <laughs> you know, he got all that cool. But in his, like, Duke voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Duke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hayes, Hayes isn't a great actor. But he brings, you know, the Duke was probably his best. Mm. You know, he, he did some cool black exploitation. He did this one called Truck Turner, mm. which is a cool one. That's his shaft, you know. And he's not great, but he's got a real delivery. He's more like Dolomite right. delivery. And I really appreciated him in some of these later Larry Cohn movies like uh, Original Gangsters and this. You know, that kind of, I'm, I'm acting here. You know, I'm, I'm doing this. And he gets a lot of that veteran anti-veteran sentiment and why that exists and the stuff that you went through and not not honoring it but explaining it and uh that's some touchy stuff that that could have been handled a lot less uh no yeah he's he's, uh, kind he does he does it well yeah he's he's the one who's got a lot of that social commentary to deliver yes so Uh, whereas robert forster gets comedy all the yeah he gets the fun stuff (laughs) he's he's doing a bit with his glasses the whole movie forster doesn't usually get to do bits yeah and he's his glasses bit is so silly he plays this what falling rapidly in the polls politician who's trying to a senator or something yeah who's trying to put in a good face at the at the parade and everybody hates him right everyone hates him he's like why why am i here i want to get out of here yeah Calling them hicks and stuff. Yeah, why'd you... You told me the reception would be warm. Yeah. <laughs> he's worried about how he's going to look on the TV. What, glasses on? Glasses off. <laughs> what are we doing? He's But he's playing it for for total laughs. Yeah. You know, it's he's such a, a silly, funny cartoon character that you don't get to see from Forster. And it's cool seeing his Forster stuff. It's cool to see him just a ca- way. have a little different timing. Like, he's just got a little... Yeah. Little, like, you don't... You don't get the snappy timing, quick timing, and everything that he does. So yeah, that's very. There's cool. a lot of wryness to a lot of his stuff. There and you this go. is more snappy, playing it for for fun. Yeah, and I really loved. Well, <laughs> again, we get William Smith I for know. like two minutes. Yeah, we get a bit of well, Smith. Two minutes at the beginning, two different minutes at the end. Hmm. He does. William Smith uh, dies quick in the beginning. But not before uh, the mustache is back. 
Yes, much more recognizable. The head of hair's back. You can see a silver, cool quaff mm-hmm. under that military hat. And the voice has gotten even gravelier. <laughs> yeah. It's eight years after Uncle Sam. So after this, Maniac Cop. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and he is deep gravel as hell mm-hmm. and playing some kind of lieutenant commander out on a desert storm mission, you know, who gets just blasted away. This dude dies quick. Yeah. Never seen, never seen, we don't, we don't totally know if William Smith was playing the bad guy in this one. We didn't get enough time to be around him before he got <laughs> gunned down hard. Right. Now, and then Undecided. we were, we were and then all of our excitement when we first started watching was once William Smith died in two minutes, we were like, all right, well, uh, we're going to get our one Bo Hopkins scene, mm-hmm. our one Robert Forster scene, our, uh, our one PJ Souls scene, and uh, everybody else gets more to do. Absolutely, yeah. I was I was and, happy to see Bo Hopkins got three or four scenes. Hopkins got four really good scenes. Yeah, he was some good stuff. He was the strength of this. He had a lot of fun with a slimy role. Again, we were thinking, oh well, you know, if we got him in one scene, that was a good scene. He is the military vet, and this is also uh, the era of Bo Hopkins where he started uh, fattening up. Yeah, he's a big fat guy now, which is cool. He's like a big Southern boss hog now, right? But, you know, in White Lightning, in the Wild Bunch, he was this, in American Graffiti, he was this cool, young, buff, V-torso dude, you know? Yeah, string bean kind of a character. Yeah, like a muscular, long and lean kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And now he's just this Stretch. tall, kind of kind of big big belly and uh, kind of rounder face, but still has that, he has that Bo Hopkins kind of slithery <laughs> charm. He his role, the smiling eyes. Yeah. Oh, he's got he's got great eyes. Yeah. He's got that great voice. Uh, I, he's one of my favorites. He's a show favorite. Show favorite. Show favorite. But he is the military vet who volunteers to be the man to inform widows that they're now widows. <laughs> yeah. Because of the higher odds of scoring, and that sounds sleazy. Because let me tell you. It is. <laughs> but Bo Hopkins could have played 100%. it sleazier. And he played it as an actual, like, professional role. This played more as, like, a, a good role in a drama mm. than a exploitative direct-to-video horror. He wasn't leering and being overly creepy, you know? He even did, like, a really nice handshake. He kind of played both sides of the fence. He didn't give up the game. Right, right. What he was doing. We all assumed that's what he was doing. <laughs> but he wasn't being overt about it. And I feel that character in every other movie would be way more obvious mm-hmm. about it. And so he's actually just showing some actor restraint in this role that could have been just trash. Instead, it was like, man. Bo Hopkins is good. <laughs> we get that next scene of him when he does give up the game, where he's drinking alone in his motel room in this we be- see the real him, yeah. This beautiful, like almost noir shot. This felt like a Coen Brothers uh, Blood Simple totally. shot of him ceiling si- fan shadow. Going. Oh yeah, yeah. Yellow wall really cool. uh, from the shadow, the ceiling fan. Him drinking alone, whiskey straight in a old motel chair with the old like. Motel TV kind of looked mm-hmm. bolted to the floor, sitting there. Oh, and then he's talking about, oh man, I love, I love visiting these widows. <laughs> you know, oh, it's so good. And he just comes back and he adds a tenderness too to his scene with uh, our child protagonist of the movie, 
but also an adult like eh, watch your step uh-huh. kid i got my eye on you but yeah uh he just kept showing up throughout and just kept like man this guy's good i didn't realize there was mid to late 90s high-end <laughs> bo hopkins i knew he was still it's working out there it's out but there. i didn't know and uh oh it's just so good you get weird kid actors which was new for for lustig yeah the kids are uh, a little hit and miss for me but uh, <laughs> the the kid with the sunglasses is uh, a badass what a the, the wheelchair kid how is that kid not a meme totally this scar-faced gingered he was like burned or something, right? Yeah, I think he had been in a fireworks accident the year before. Was yeah. kind of the backstory. Blinded and burned, but he plays it like a blues brother kind of thing. <laughs> he's, he's like Bobby Butnick. <laughs> <laughs> Salute your shorts, but it's just like kind of pudgy, burn-faced sunglasses. He's got these big old Ray Charles the, yeah. sunglasses. Uh, That's probably what's giving me the blues brothers vibe. Yeah, but it's like that straight, like the way that they play it straight. He's playing it. But what's awesome is we get genre staple. He basically has the shining. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a prophetic blind 12-year-old in a wheelchair. Just right. Like, he's the kind of the one that figures out what's going on. Or or even, uh, yeah, the uh, the Uncle Sam kind of touches him. is like, yeah, I know you. Like this kid's the seer. He, he got special patriot powers yeah. when he blew up in fireworks. Yeah. He became like a patriotic X-Man. I guess if you're wounded in battle, <laughs> he's it's kind of like, kinda like he's being like a wounded vet. in a, a county he fair. He was wounded in the name of patriotism, <laughs> so he is Uncle Sam's one ally. That's the that's what it is. <laughs> if you die in service of this country or are slightly wounded <laughs> yeah. in celebration of the country, yeah. you, if, get, you get the sense. If your patriotic you intentions were pure, you bec- you get the, sh- the patriot shining. <laughs> Because, yeah, you get, oh, my gosh, this this kid is seriously like a 12-year-old ginger Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Just sitting in his wheelchair, just like kind of a old curmudgeon. Like, this is the role that usually goes to, like, Zelda Rubenstein <laughs> <laughs> or something. Oh, that's just grandma. And she's like, no, he's here. <laughs> like, exactly. Instead, it's a smart-mouth 12-year-old kid just like, Uncle Sam's here to celebrate his birthday. You're like, what? <laughs> Who is, who's Roy Orbison over here? Like, But the movie has a lot of this. This has to be Larry Cohen's level of comedy. You get all these kind of funny jokes peppered throughout. Like the one guy who's just really taking his digs out on Francis Scott Key. Yeah. <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> just uh, a lot of just... digs that... Uh, it insults against yeah what else did he ever you know, write what other what other hits did this guy have this guy's really aware of uh <laughs> 300 years ago uh writings you know uh yeah the movie has that kind of uh larry cohen satirical jest to it right while cynical set- mm-hmm. yeah yeah a lot exactly but while setting up a lot of really well done plot set pieces and action set pieces a lot of cool stunt stuff and a lot of cool man other horror movies didn't think of a funny scene like this we get a stilt chase <laughs> we do the we get a, the uh, one extended sh- uh, like t- 
10, 12 foot stilt chase. So good. These are the like, t- you've never seen stilts. stilts taller than these stilts. These, the tallest. This is such a funny take on an Americana kind of small town patriotic parade with the Uncle Sam guy walking around in big old red and white striped stilted pants. Mm-hmm. Except these stilts are seriously 12 foot stilts. They're, it's And we ridiculous. get a sight gag where the guy who's on the stilts uses his opportunity to peep into a second floor window. The only nudity we get is is this lady's butt <laughs> when Uncle Sam is staring at her through her own second story window, just face level. And I'd like to think that that guy specifically volunteers to be Uncle Sam on stilts every year because that's the one night he can get away with, with seeing butts. Absolutely. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Every other night if I'm out here looking at second story butts... <laughs> It's pretty obvious. The, yeah. They know, but this time, I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna sneak away from this little uh, <laughs> value days parade and go off into this n- suburb. Yeah, like, oh, what a plan! This guy's <laughs> got like, he's the restrained peeping Tom. He's like, I do it once a year, the one, <laughs> the one day a year when the least uh, amount least. of people suspect me. That's what I do. Like, geez, okay, that's usually they're more. What what if maybe that's but what if it's the other way where it's like he's just like totally morally upright guy and then just one day he's using the stilts walking by a house being like wait a minute I can the, see inside the of this stilts house. are the origin story <laughs> well no he's just like wait a sec how these stilts turned me into a sexual deviant this gives me like exactly the right access to the second floor window that I never thought. There's what's a, going on in there's there? There's a third option, <laughs> which is a man who routinely peeps into first floor windows, and every year he's like mapped out his second story locations that he wants to check out. <laughs> he knows all the best first story peepins, but he's got his eye on a couple of second story peepins, <laughs> and this is Mansions the day of the year town. that he's like, now I get to sc- now I get to scout. This is it. I got my locations marked. So he could be just an existing pervert who's just getting upstairs butt instead of downstairs boobs. Like, that could be. I like that. I like, but yeah. uh, this guy, <laughs> instant karma Yeah. For poor, for poor stilted Sam. We get the murderer chasing this dude while he's on stilts, just running through a grove of trees, yeah. front yards, streets, Running in these huge stilts. He he runs the way that you run like in a dream where you're like slow oh, and lumbering. Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's very awkward. <laughs> very awkward running scene for this poor man. But probably the fastest stilt running I've ever seen. You know, it's pretty impressive distance this covered. But, uh, you know, he was staying ahead of the killer for a while because he's got that, that reach advantage. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but... Just like the whole time where you're drawing this seat out and you're like, man, this guy's getting knocked down off these stilts hard. <laughs> you know this isn't going to be a when good landing down, for this guy. Yeah, when he He's goes keeping down. it together now. Whew. His time's ticking. <laughs> but, yeah. What if he got away? Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of that scene. Like, Just like, can't keep up with him. He's 18 man, feet ahead of me every step. Why did I think I was going to chase the guy with 10-foot legs? That makes no sense now that I think about it. <laughs> it's a lot of wasted energy on my part. Uh, but yeah, so we get those kind of unique, fun set pieces yeah. to set up these scenes. And we do get our 
fire scene. We get our man on fire. Boy, this do is, we. This is, uh, yeah, Lustig, uh, I think starting with Maniac Cop 2, figures out how to set people on fire <laughs> yeah. for extended periods of time. He really figures out how to push the time. So, yeah, the ending of this is a great, like, they, uh, they go grab a cannon, an old-timey cannon <laughs> that still works and that they know yeah. how to work. We get like a Civil War cannon death. And uh, so we actually get, yeah, we actually get oh my gosh. Isaac Hayes shooting a cannon at Uncle Sam. Like, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. And then, the but I didn't know a cannonball just hurtling at you blew up everything within a just blew up a half mile house. radius of you. Like, it, this cannonball hits, blows up, yeah, half yeah, the I house have, goes up. <laughs> I thought it would you. just make a hole in the house. I have seen, I've been to Colonial Williamsburg. Okay, good. I was going yeah, to ask. I t- thank you. <laughs> you, went, you went to uh, the Universal Studios tour. Right. I'm like, well, I saw several battlegrounds. Exactly. Well, uh, you know, you should know how a 150-year-old cannon works. There are then. buildings that just had, you know, cannonballs in them. Like, you can drive right by on the street. There's a kind of a famous spot in this small town. Just two cannonballs just lodged into a brick building. Oh, the, the cannonballs are still in the building. Yeah, they're just there. That's cool. And they're, you know, they look like the size of a high school shot put. Oh, yeah. Like an eight-pound shot put. They're just in a building. They're not this cartoon exploding cannonball. They're just a wrecking ball. Right, exactly. And they bring out this old, like, <laughs> kind of cannon to really set, you know, like a cla- just a white painted cannon. Just like, yeah, here's our can-. And you see the size of the, the thing. It's a... You know, yeah, it, eight to twelve pound shot put. Yeah, smaller than a bowling ball. Yeah, yeah. and oh, doesn't matter. It does da- it does a lot of damage? It doesn't matter. Though. This this house must have had a bunch of unfortunate gas leaks. Something like lit that, right? Flame. The house, I guess, was just about to go up anyway. <laughs> and this cannonball merely knocked Uncle Sam twenty feet into it. Boy, talk about some like crouching tiger wire was, work. I loved it. Uncle Sam got blasted yeah this guy flew he flies yeah extended period of of a guy walking towards you on fire getting blasted back 20 feet by a cannonball yeah that's that's the william lustig whole house going up you live for yeah and this is the kind of thing where you find out afterwards that this is true they did not get permission to fire off a cannon at 2 a.m in this neighborhood in this la suburb it was, I think, Laverne, oh, California, guys. or one of those, you know, uh, and they never allowed a movie to be filmed there again. The whole town? The whole town. They're just like, no. Nope. nope, no more movies here. Wow. Because Lustig blew up a building and fired off a cannon that blew a man and a zombie Uncle Sam 20 feet oh into God. fire. Now they're just doing it at 2 a.m. in a neighborhood. So... <laughs> Almost 20 years into a career as a filmmaker, he never figured out how to ask for permission no. to do anything. You know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness I guess so. <laughs> than to ask permission. I just love that. He's like, what? We, uh, you know, we we do guerrilla stuff all the time. Yeah, but that's Sam Raimi sitting on a uh, street corner talking yeah. into a microphone. <laughs> now you're blowing up a house. You're firing off a cannon <laughs> in, a, in a suburb. That's beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's it's making a movie for a million bucks. Hey. You know, if any that show business, baby. any money you can save, whew, you know, you got you got investors to show these things to. Mm-hmm. They they want their money's worth. It's funny. So that's just one of the things you get with independent genre cinema that is so rewarding. 
And Uncle Sam, again, is probably viewed as, like, I think you hear about this relentless and hitless the least. Mm -hmm. Now, part of that is because I don't think hitless or relentless ever got a DVD release. Yeah. I think they're tied up in rights hell. That's true. So I don't think they're really on platforms. Hitlist, I know, is VHS only. Maybe Laserdisc. I know I've seen Relentless Laserdiscs like on the internet. Sure. That would have been the era. Um, Relent- Hitlist was, what, 89? Relentless was 93. So Laserdisc more likely for that. Yeah. But So I think maybe those two are just less talked about because they're harder to see. I think also, I mean, if you look at the like poster, it's kind of not great. <laughs> Well, it's like so, you know the the Uncle Sam getup is kind of cheesy, like uh, just on the visual. Okay, I, think I li- but I do like the the angle that I love that is really strong for a horror movie like this is how Uncle Sam. It's a broad daylight movie in a lot of this. He's walking through a busy Fourth uh, of July day, right, in right, town. But I like that criminal who's able to hide behind a specific town's event. Like, he's in the mascot suit, you know? Sure. Nobody's even thinking about this weird masked Uncle Sam. They just, everybody just assumed that guy's legit. Mm-hmm. Anybody could have shown up in an Uncle Sam costume to this event. They figured, oh, well, they wouldn't be letting a non-professional wander around. <laughs> Clearly, this guy got permission and clearance to yeah, Uncle Sam. Yeah, we don't need here. to question him. And it's so not, I like, it's not a knockoff <laughs> Uncle Sam. I like that kind of element of yeah. a horror movie, the hidden criminal. But... Actually, this was really a big uh, video store movie because he he marketed it really hard to video stores with uh, like gimmick posters and stuff. Oh yeah, there was a uh, what's that called lenticular poster where you look at it one way and it's a different image. Okay, you know, so you're seeing a normal Uncle Sam, and then you look at a different way, and then he's kind of like a zombie gotcha. one, and then you, you look you a different way, and he's and... like a skeleton and. So, you know, I had one of those four or five panel lenticular That's posters cool. for it. And that kind of stuff stands out. You know, I still remember the year after this, Jack Frost. There's like yeah. a lenticular, you know, with the normal snowman and then like the evil snowman, you know. And that's that kind of stuff jumps out. There's a reason I rented Jack Frost <laughs> with friends, you know. And so Lustig knew that kind of marketing. He knew what kind of little, it's that same kind of, you know, in the movie Matinee, you know, William Castle kind of stuff. Using your venue mm-hmm. to sell your gimmick. And few people are as good at it as Lustig. So his venue was the video store. He's going to use what he had at his disposal, sell his direct-to-video movie. And, you know, that's the reason why his stuff's got that extra class. <laughs> and so even if It's this... a gimmick with class. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a gimmick... Done by someone who knows how to use a gimmick. That's important. Not just using it because you've seen other people use it. Right, right. You know what you know the product you're selling. And that's that legitimacy is important. And uh so I don't know if this is his weakest because whew, I had a blast. I watched it twice now in just a couple weeks. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, even uh like like you said, even if you were to rank all the Lustigs, and even if this is at the bottom, it's still a good, yeah, positive. Any Lustig is is a it's a high floor, yeah. And uh, these movies, all the Maniac Cops right now are on Shutter. They are. If you don't have Shutter, you can just get a little seven day freebie they are, trial yeah. and and power binge these Maniac Cop movies for free. 
And I know Uncle Sam's on Tubi. So these are all at your fingertips. And you should check them out. So I think it came to this. I I think it definitely came to this. I think we're going to be back in a week with the conclusion with Maniac Cop 2 and Maniac Cop 3. Yeah. Another big full episode. Where will the Maniac Cop strike next? I mean, I guess, sorry, but spoiler alert. There's (laughs) three Maniac Cops, so... The guy doesn't go down. No. He took a beam to the to the sternum and drowned in Maniac Cop 1. He'll be back. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert, he looks like a jack-o'-lantern by the end of this series of movies. I do appreciate, you know, the aging of Jason. Yeah. The bloated Jason from waterlogging, the burned Jason, you know. I appreciate that kind of Jason damage continuity. And... Cordell, the maniac cop, is looking like a dried up piece of jerky. Yeah. By the end of three. Yeah. This guy gets it. <laughs> well, so, we'll get into it then. We'll get into it then. Uh, until then, until I'm Charlie. Until then, I'm Eric. Good night.